Hello, my friends, and welcome once again to the Deeper Daily Podcast. I'm Paul White. It's the 24th day of April. Thank you for joining me today on the final Sunday of the month of April. And it is our monthly meeting day in Flowery Branch, Georgia. We meet at 4 o'clock in the afternoon today at Eastern Time. And anytime you are in our part of the world, come see us on that final, that fourth Sunday of the month. We have that afternoon service. Of course, we meet every Tuesday evening as well with that group. Mostly the same set of people. We do have a few people that come in for the monthly that can't make the weekly because of the journey. But you're always welcome. Visit our website, paulwhiteministries.com slash schedule to get the address and uh, maybe shoot us an email if you're ever on your way. We want to make sure that uh, the start time is the same. This month it is 4 o'clock. Sometimes we have to move that a little bit. Um, also, next weekend we'll be doing the essay edition for you as we'll close out April next Saturday. And then as May rolls around, we have a very busy personal schedule a lot of travel. I have my son will be graduating from college in May. My daughter will be graduating from high school in May. And I will be coming back to the Louisville, Kentucky area to do the conference that we did a few years ago with Jamie Englehart. We'll be in Floyd's Knob, Indiana, which is right across the river from Louisville, Kentucky. And we'll be doing a Thursday through a Sunday. That's the 12th of May to the 15th of May in Floyd's Knob, Indiana. You can look at our website for more information or look at our Facebook page, Paul White Ministries. You can look at um, Jamie Englehart's Facebook page. All that, all, you'd be able to find all that info uh, online, and I'll give you an exact address and start times and all that stuff coming up very soon. But that's also in May. Uh, we're moving the Chapin meeting in May to a Monday night, so you'll want to check our schedule for that. Um, lots of stuff coming up. Summertime's about to get up and rolling, and I know everyone is busy. Um, I want to get into Genesis 49 today. There's 50 chapters in Genesis. We've been dealing with the Abrahamic stories going on a year now, or not just Abraham, but the entire book of Genesis, really working through this first book of the Bible. Um, I want to say two things today in regards to studying the scriptures. For a long time, when I would hear, when I would talk to people about coming into the faith and they would be new converts, new Christians, and they would say, I want to read my Bible. Where do I start? I used to say, start at the beginning and read. Start in the book of Genesis and read. Um, I don't do that anymore. And I'll tell you why. We are not students. We are not disciples of the Bible. We are disciples of Christ. So go to the part of the Bible that talks about Christ and start there. I start people most of the time now, definitely in the Gospels. Personally, I'd start with John, but you can't really go wrong. Just start in Matthew and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and pay close attention to anything and everything that either is about Jesus or comes out of his mouth. The reason for that is because the whole Bible hinges on Christ. One of the mistakes that we make a lot of times in studying the Bible is to study it without thinking about Christ. We just study it to think about everything else. And and listen, you know me. There's nothing wrong with context. In fact, you're in trouble if you don't have it. But if your context, when you read the Bible, doesn't include what Christ does with that scripture or that story or how it is reimagined because of Christ 
then I don't think your context includes everything it should. When Jesus walks with the disciples on the road to Emmaus, he shows them the scriptures concerning himself. Jesus teaches us how to read the Bible. Without ever setting down with a Bible, he shows us that we are to see him in it. And so when I look at Genesis, I have to look at the context, I have to look at the stories, what it meant to the audience at the time, but I can no longer read it without seeing Jesus. That leads me to a second thing. There's a lot of terminology we bandy about in the church, things that we think we have an answer to, but sometimes they've been informed by other things, stuff like end of days or last days or fullness of time. And most of the time when we hear that, we think about an event in the future at the end of the world, the end of some cosmic system. But the phrase last days or end of days doesn't first appear in the New Testament in regards to the end of the world. No, it started appearing in Genesis and it always referred to the end of an era. You'll probably remember this from Genesis 4 in verse 3 in the Cain and Abel story. In the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground of the Lord. Literally in the Hebrew, at the end of days, Cain brought an offering of the fruit. So it was the end of some era and the beginning of another one. And the sacrifice marked the end of some era. I don't know, I kind of believe it was... Maybe maybe it was the death of their parents or one of their parents. It was the end of something. Why am I bringing this up and we're in Genesis 49? Listen to Genesis 49.1. And Jacob called his sons and said, Gather together that I may tell you what shall befall you in the last days. Now, if you read Genesis 49.1, only with the context of the phrase last days as defined by a lot of modern teaching and preaching, then what Jacob says in Genesis 49 must mean, I'm going to tell you boys what will happen at the end of the world, which doesn't make a lot of sense to tell them what's going to befall them at the end of the world. Well, because we know that doesn't make sense, what we've done is taken this text and said, well, what Jacob means is he's going to tell them what's going to befall their tribes at the end of the world. And yet, these verses are not to describe how things go down at the end. So what does he mean? Well, in the last days, in Genesis 49, 1, is talking about the days to come, his last days, and their days. So when you see the phrase, in the last days, my point is this. Don't just run to the end of time. Realize that that's the terminology the Bible uses to describe the end of an era or the end of an age. And when you get that in mind, then you've got a framework to work off of. Tomorrow, we're going to begin the process of looking at some of the highlights of the prophecy that Jacob gives to his sons. We're not going to cover every word or every prophecy, but some of the highlights. And I look forward to this journey this week. This will be a lot of fun to cover these last two chapters. See you tomorrow. God bless.